Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening, good evening, we have finally broken the trend. I finally have less to talk about this week. If only because so much on the menu right now is so much of what's out there right now is just like kind of speculatory. And I don't know if I want to trust or not sort of stories. You know how those are. And she's like, I shouldn't. But also because we're finally out of CES. And pretty much every single major journalist that actually does the hunting for stories now has the virus TM. I mean, not specifically COVID, but most likely some kind of cold or flu or something they most likely caught at CES. Because that's what CES does to people. They work their butts off. They weaken down their immune system. They catch some form of convention crud. And then they're out for a week. So welcome to that week. Another thing on a more... On a more uh, concerning note, just so you know about the program, listeners are going to get off incredibly lucky right now. So what's funny right now is that we're recording this live, and currently we do have a sponsor going on for HelloFresh. By the time this podcast actually hits the, the podcast channels, the sponsorship ends. So right now, the video version has all these sponsor banners on right now. By the time this airs, it's gone. It's done. This is actually, the day we're recording. This is actually the last day. The other thing is also, we know we do not have the ability to play ads now. So we've been able to play ads promoting Anchor on Anchor's pro platform, because that's the platform we use. That has now ended because we've now been around long enough. So oddly enough, this episode is going to pretty much for, for, a, while, for a while now, at least, we are going to be basically only self-funded by the twitch channel there'll probably be promos here and there i'll probably be um, i'm gonna end up being more eager to take on sponsors that i actually trust like for example there's there's one coming up for um the star trek mobile game i cannot take a sponsorship for that game just because I, I don't know i know this is this isn't really what i had planned at all but have you ever played that game like i'm a big star trek nerd well not a big star trek nerd but i'm a i'm a star trek nerd well well We'll just say an average Star Trek enjoyer. That game, first off, does nothing Star Trek related other than just you collect characters from the various franchises, which is not what you want in a Star Trek game. You want to actually pilot a ship. No, you're piloting a fleet and you're not even like really flying them at all. You're, you're basically just playing like Clash of Clans chess, but not like realistically doing any kind of upgrading at all. Like you're not doing anything you'd actually want to do. You're not customizing any ships. You're not going ahead and and we're and you're not gonna be doing anything like you'd actually want to do in Star Trek. You're not actually exploring any planets. You're just like, hey, we found this. You found this resource. Oh hey, they they went out here and found this and whatever. It's just a terrible Clash of Clans clone with no customization other than collecting things from shows and then collecting duplicates of those things from shows. It's such a weak game, I absolutely hate it. I can't in good conscience promote that at all. It is absolutely a terrible, terrible product. So while I'm, an e while I'm eager to go ahead and take on a sponsorship, I'm not selling myself out. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna shill for something, I'm gonna agree with it. <sighs> Chat's right now trying to go ahead and play games with the uh 
with the messaging system. Don't worry, don't worry. We'll get to all that in a bit. But that that's currently the, the current setup. So I do, I hope you all enjoy the ad-free podcast. If you do love what, if you do love what you're hearing, I do encourage you to check out my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. You know, that's all I ask. So that is currently that. Now then, let's talk about MSI Afterburner. So for those who don't know what the product is, MSI Afterburner is a program that is published by MSI, but is actually developed by a crew that just, it's subcontracted out from MSI. Originally, actually, the program stood on its own, but then MSI sponsored it. It turns out MSI Afterburner is actually developed by a single Russian programmer who is, of course, in Russia. MSI Afterburner is actually a program that you run on your PC, and it lets you control a lot about your card, including overclocking it, controlling your fan curve, and programming in your voltage amounts, your clock speeds, all of that. It's, it's a very good, it's a very good tool, to say the least. So what's wrong with it? The project right now is in jeopardy because the MSI Afterburner developer has not been paid for a year, which when you just hear the headline, MSI Afterburner developer has been paid for a year and the product development is in limbo. It's just like, whoa, MSI, what the heck? Why haven't you paid them? Remember earlier when I said that the programmer is Russian? Yeah, that's the problem. Currently, there are tons of sanctions in various companies about trying to get any kind of funds to anyone within Russia. Now, there are ways around this. So here's the question. Is MSI doing this, not paying this guy for a year, simply because it's too much of a hassle to try and figure out these channels and they don't want to stir up possible legal problems or anything like that based on the sanctions of where MSI's HQ is with Russia? Possibly. Is it also MSI taking advantage of the fact that there is these sanctions out there and just saying, oh, well, I guess that's an easy budget item we're just not going to pay? It's really hard to say. And what's not helping MSI's case in this is the fact that MSI says they have been in touch with the developer regarding this situation. They are looking to resolve it. But the developer says they have not heard anything from MSI in a year. So someone is lying. Who is it? We don't know. But it is quite possible that, you know, a very valuable tool in the GPU overclocking space is going to vanish. Oh, it's fine. We can just use another one. Ooh, what about EVGA Precision X? Oh, right. EVGA doesn't make GPUs anymore, do they? Hmm. That's a problem, isn't it? Hmm. So yeah, this could be a big problem. In the end, though, we just have to wait and see how it's going to go. And I actually am curious. What do you think it is? Do you think it is... As MSI says, they just cannot get money to this guy because he's in Russia. Or is it for another reason entirely? Again, who knows? No matter what happens, we're just going to be in a state of, well, just unknowns for probably a while now. Although speaking of GPUs, here's something that I've kind of rediscovered. And I know this is getting back off topic. Do you know what's going to be a big problem? A far bigger problem than a lot of people realize? These GPU sizes... You know how they've gotten so big on the super high-end scale that, in fact, they don't fit in a lot of cases? Like, the 4090 
one of its biggest problems is the fact that if you buy a, a 4090 Founders Edition, first off, it might catch fire. And then second, it won't fit in just about any case. Here's something I found that's a problem in, in my case. I have, sitting on my workbench right now, a high-end workstation from about six years ago. Workstation cards are specifically fit to fit a certain amount of tolerances because they can go into servers. This case is designed with those same tolerances, to, to, tolerances in mind. I can speak words, I swear. I'm going to have to start modding this case because there's a decent chance. I'm not going to find out until, until later this week when I actually get to work and making them move from one PC to another that in fact, I won't be able to use the actual air ducting shroud around the GPU section because my cheap consumer GPU is too wide. These are all kinds of things you gotta think about nowadays when it comes to actual GPU buying now. The physical size is such a big factor, even when doing refurbished work for, from an old PC, it's nuts. All right, we're gonna shift from GPUs over to another legal issue. And I admit, this one is not technically tech related, but it is gaming related. And I know a lot of my listeners are in fact gamers who game both digital and a large chunk, you know, I'm willing to bet do a lot of analog gaming in the form of tabletop gaming. Yes, we're gonna talk about the open game license for Dungeons and Dragons. If you somehow have been living under a rock for the, for the past 6,000 years and don't know what Dungeons and Dragons are, who, who are you? How have you stayed this isolated? And does wherever you were that was, that was isolated ha have a summer home? I wouldn't mind that kind of isolation sometimes. I'm not, not gonna lie, just unplug from reality, but I digress. If you somehow don't know, Dungeons and Dragons is a tabletop gaming, uh, a tabletop RPG. You make a character, you roll awkwardly shaped dice, ranging anywhere from a four-sided dice all the way up to a 20-sided dice. Or if you're extra quirky, you're one of those weirdos that got that 100-sided golf ball and roll that for when you got to do percentiles instead of 2d10 like a sane person. And the whole point is that you have one person that's a game master or dungeon master that pretty much narrates the whole game. And then you have anywhere from two to fi five lunatics that go ahead and are half serious through the entire game. And then the other half play a bard and want to go ahead and tell everyone about how they are but humble travelers and then slaughter everyone. A lot of the appeal in Dungeons and Dragons is in fact just role playing out everything, sometimes being serious and sometimes being an absolute hilarious psychopath. <sighs> but in any case, the reason Dungeons and Dragons has been popular for so long is the fact they have had what is referred to as an open games license. This license specifically says that any content you make, in fact, can be monetized on your, on your own. They basically want to take like a hands-off approach to any sort of home-brewed D&D content. That's what the open game, gaming license was. You could go ahead, you can write your own scenario. You could go ahead and just brew one on the spot. I've done a homebrew one on the spot before. It wasn't great, but it was still a, t a lot of fun. Make your own, own in-game items, either from scratch like I had or from the dungeon ma master's guide. Like, I, like I've also had, everyone has. 
you know it's a very hands-off approach and it's what makes Dungeons and Dragons a lot of fun because you can go ahead and get that open kind of unique feel without even needing to know how to actually code or spend months doing so and then Wizards of the Coast talked to their accountant and thought you know there are some projects out there that are just absolutely massive like say Critical Role for instance which started as a D&D based show and then exploded in popularity and now i believe it even has its own netflix series like there was a huge boom during the time of the virus tm when everyone started playing dungeons and dragons online and kind of started trying to make like streaming shows out of it well wizards is kind of looking at that and going hmm why aren't we why aren't we make making money hand over fist on that so they were so they so they were working on releasing an update to the open games license to be able to collect royalties on people who make a large amount of money off the Dungeons & Dragons content. Keep in mind, I said they were going to. It never actually officially launched. It leaked out and the internet exploded like nobody's business. And to a degree, rightfully so, because all of a sudden now, an open games license was going out, going, or actually rather a games license for Dungeons and Dragons going out, saying that any sort of content that you make for Dungeons and Dragons can be used as property by Wizard of the Coast to promote Dungeons and Dragons. And they tried to say whether you went ahead and used the D&D trademark or not. So this could have applied to other games very similar, like say, oh, I don't know, Pathfinder. A lot of you in the D&D space have heard about Pathfinder. A number of you possibly not in the D&D space have at least heard of it. It is a split off D&D based on the 3.5 rules. This happened around the 4.0 re release and it's still going pretty strong. The last game of D&D I played in fact was on, was on Pathfinder. Needless to say, this became very, very interesting very, very quickly. Tons of people were canceling their D&D beyond subscriptions what is DD beyond i'm not gonna lie i forgot to look it up well it's basically a subscription service that in fact wizards of the coast has that's the publisher of DD, and it's basically the easiest way to tell what <laughs> whether you support the thing or not now the reasons that wizards put out for why the the update for the open games license is interesting Someone in chat says it is a website that offers campaign management tools, character sheet management, and digital dice rollers, as well as the digital sale of D&D rule books. Okay, that, that actually, all right, that makes sense. How much actually is the subscription now that I'm actually here on the site? All right, $3 a month if you have no friends, $6 a month if you have friends. Okay, now here's the thing with the open license agreement. Here is what Wizards of the Coast has said. All right, here's their actual statement on the on their DD beyond site all right it goes as follows we initially we wow i am three words in and i'm already messing up words this is a good sign when we initially conceived of revisiting the ogl let me interject that me ogl from here on out so you know refers to open game license just figured i should put that out there in case we get confusion all right the post continues when we initially conceived of revisiting the ogl there were three major goals in mind First, we wanted the ability to prevent the use of D&D content from being included in hateful or discriminatory products. 
let me interject. Was there ever, ever any concern of that ever in the history of D&D? Let me teach you something about executive speech, all right? If you ever wanna try and get away with something that's controversial, all you gotta do, the first thing you gotta do is say, it is for generic, hateful, and prevention of discrimination. That is step one. You never mention anything specific, and you just mention hateful and, discri and discrimination. We're trying to prevent those two things. And never, ever, ever explain why. And they are doing a spectacular job of that here, making sure that you know absolutely squat about what these hateful and discriminatory products are. And quite frankly, with how, with how openly like blatant this is, I just want to sit here like freaking Gene Wilder from, from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory with like a smile on my face, resting my hand on, head on my knuckle and saying like, all right, cool, show me. Show me these examples. The blog post continues. Second, we wanted to address those attempting to use D&D in Web3, blockchain games, and NFTs by making clear that OGL content is limited to tabletop role-playing content like campaigns, modules, and supplements. Let me interject that is, I don't buy it. That's a better excuse. But once again, we're just going through the Rolodex of generic things without mentioning anything in specific of things that's like, we can get the community on our side. Let's just use these three easy buzzwords of things that everyone hates. Everyone hates blockchain. Everyone hates NFTs. But let me tell you something. Let me, let me tell you a deep, dark secret about Web3 and blockchain, blockchain games. Are you ready? Are you ready? All right, come on, come on. Come in close. None of them actually care about your license agreement because in their own self-deluded world where links to a picture have value, they believe they are above the law and your licensing agreement would solve absolutely nothing. Am I wrong? When was the last time any NFT project actually gave two rips about any sort of law or anything legal? Cause I hate to break it to you. None of them do because well, there's one fun little fact about NFTs and the law. Did you know that anything created by an AI or an algorithm cannot be copyrightable? Which means that a token saying you have ownership of it cannot show ownership of it because it is not something that can be copyrighted. So therefore a documentation trying to claim ownership of it has no actual legal grounds. Yeah. Anyway, the blog post continues. And third, we wanted to ensure that the OGL is for the content creator, the home brewer, the aspiring designer, our players, the community, not major corporations that you to use for their own commercial and promotional purpose. Look, you can just be blatantly honest. I'm sorry, let me interject. You can just be blatantly honest if you want. You could just say it outright. We want a cut of the critical role pie. You can go ahead and go around all this circling around and all that jazz. You can just say it like, look, Critical Role is more popular than us because we haven't really like done any serious innovation in a while. We want a piece of that pie. It's not hard. Anyway, the post continues. Driving these goals were two simple pr principles. One, our job is to be good stewards of the game. And two, the OGL exists for the benefit of the fans. Nothing about those principles 
was wavered for a second. Let me interject. The OGL tries to claim, the new version, I should say, tries to claim that Wizards of the Coast has rights to any kind of homebrew that is made for D&D. So the, the claim here to try and say it's for the benefit of the fans is, um, bull? There's no other real easy way to say this. It is just straight up bull. Anyway, the blog post continues. That is why our early drafts of the new OGL include the provisions they did. That draft language was provided to content creators and publishers so their feedback could be considered before anything was finalized. In addition to language allowing us to address the discrimination of hateful conduct. Oh, there's, there's that word again. There's that word again. There it is. That, that, that anonymous discrimination and hateful conduct that we can't pinned down at all, but it's totally there. Trust us. Trust us. And clarifying what these types of, of products the OGL covers. Our drafts include royalty language designed to apply it, apply to large corporations attained, attempting to use OGL content. It was never our intent to impact the vast majority of the community. Let me interject. If it was never your intention to impact the vast majority of the community, then why did you write it out in such a way that it would, in fact, affect a large chunk of the community? This is what happens when you include things like all, or we can go ahead and use any content created by anyone else as though it were our own. You see the problem here, right? At least I hope so. The blog post continues. However, it is clear from the reaction that we rolled a one. Oh, uh, look at that. Look at, look at the adorable little cute, cute frickin' corporate blog trying to be relatable. Oh, that's so adorable. It's so cute. The blog continues. It has become clear that it is no longer possible to fully achieve all three goals while still staying true to our principles. So... Here's what we were doing. Someone in chat asked, didn't Disney try owning everyone's tweets? I do recall something like that. I'm not sure if that was like, they actually tried, tried to do it, or if it was something that was like thrown about and then it became a rumor. But yeah, it's kind of like that. It's pretty much. <sighs> the next OGL, I'm sorry, the blog continues. The next OGL will contain provisions that allow us to protect and cultivate the inclusive environment we are trying to build and specifically... <laughs> Let me interject real quick you, you, on that whole thing about the hateful and discriminatory content sort of thing. Here's addendum A to that rule. Make sure to use the word inclusive whenever you can when trying to go ahead and use this piece of execute speech. I, I could write a book of just like every single way that every single company tries to go ahead and get away with the most nonsensical, greedy BS by trying to seem like they're doing it for you, to protect you from boogeyman. I'll just say this right now. I'm not saying that discrimination doesn't happen, but here's the thing. Anytime a company is actually trying to fight a case of discrimination, they can provide details. You know that phrase, the devil is in the details? This is the exact sort of reason why 
that phrase exists. What this entire thing is, and let's be perfectly honest, the, the rest of this, I'll just quickly summarize the rest of this, all right? One thing they said they will not have is that the next, is that the next version of the OGL will not contain any royalty structure and blah, 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 blah. All right, so they're gonna tr they're say that the next version is not gonna contain any royalties. We'll see. Cause you now got big eyeballs on you, including Paizo. Paizo, for those who don't know, is the man who is behind Pathfinder, which is basically a fork of Dungeons and Dragons. We will see how Wizards of the Coast respond to this, but I'm just telling you this right now. If this whole thing is just one giant, oh no, it's for prevent discrimination. Totally. It totes is. Believe me for realsies. Yeah, it's not gonna fly. And quite frankly, I do hope that the rest of the D&D community, I haven't had a chance to really see what, what Paizo's response to this has been. I haven't seen what D&D Beyond's response to this is. I don't know if Critical Role's made a response to, to this thing yet, or any other smaller players in the, uh, in the online D&D space. But I mean, you, you've, you've now got online lawyers looking at this. One of them actually brought up a very good point. I actually, they actually wondered if, in fact, the, the, the OGL that was about to come out was, in fact, even legally viable just on the grounds of you can't go ahead and sue someone or claim any kind of damages because their rules are similar to yours. So, like, as long as I don't go ahead and call my module Dungeons & Dragons or my home rule rules, I don't use the word Dungeons & Dragons or any sort of trademarks on there, I'm fine. I could call it Dirt Bird's Hallway of Doom and dis Despair and Derpiness and have the rest of the rules be exactly like D&D for running it, and it's fine from a legal standpoint. You know, just as long as I don't, you know, blatantly, as someone said in the chat, just copy-paste the entire DM into that module. We're going to take a break here when we come back. We still have a lot more to talk about, including NVIDIA and Google voicing their angry opinion regarding Microsoft buying Activision. One last thing I'll po point out, and it's, it's something I actually didn't make clear. Paizo, and someone in the chat reminded me of this, Paizo specifically said that he's going to work on his own version of the OGL for Pathfinder, specifically to counter the OGL that, DN that Wizards of the Coast tried to push out there. I felt like I should make that clear. And with that, we will be back. Welcome back, I'm Eagle Fountain. <laughs> yes. I, 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 before going in, in, into this segment, I was like, all right, we'll pick, we'll pick a bumper that there's no way in heck no one knows not where it's from. Everyone's just like, nope, no idea. No idea. Nope, no, not, no idea. And then one person, nana machine, son. <laughs> Dude, that was actually one that I found by like complete accident. That's so, that was just like randomly through my field of like trying to find good remixes of like good video game tracks that were on a uh, open share license. One person went ahead and ma made a made a, a Eurobeat remix of uh, it has to be it has to be this way. And I'm just like, 
I'm in. How can you not? <laughs> Just like, how could you not pile on to Microsoft's acquisition of Activision? NVIDIA and Google have both reported, for, for those who somehow don't know, someone in the chat was exactly correct, because I'm pretty sure everyone was cor correct, whether they said it or not. Yes, it was from Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. <laughs> Oh, I, I just couldn't help myself. But NVIDIA and Google both ha have voiced concerns about Microsoft's Activision of acquisition, or is it the other way around? It doesn't matter. Reporting to the FTC that, quote, the two companies contend that by acquiring Activision Blizzard, Microsoft would gain an unfair advantage in the cloud, subscription, and mobile gaming markets. You mean that cloud gaming market that you both, both of you <laughs> went out of your way to get out of? Remember that Google? How you had such a bad launch of it and then decided to yank the plug out? Yeah, I mean, Google had a bad go of it, had a bad model with a bad implementation and it was stunning that it lasted for the long time. And Vidi on the other hand, had a pretty good imp implementation of it and then they 86'd it. It would be like, me opposing, I can't even think of a good example. It's like if I got out of the computer refurbishing market and then tried to say that this computer company buying another computer company would be really bad for the entire market of computer refurbishing. You know, the market that I got out of. D does anyone else not see the problem with this? This is absolutely insane. And it is absolutely silly that Nvidia and Google both think that, oh yeah, we're such extras in this. Oh yeah, we, we totally got the cloud and subscription gaming models down. Yeah, I don't think you do. I think like of all the things, you two have the least amount of authority to talk about those two areas specifically, because in fact, you both felt that the market was not worth being in because you both pulled out. Now, the mobile gaming market, Nvidia makes hardware for the mobile gaming market, but that's about it. Google, on the other hand, you're half the Google, the freaking mobile gaming market. This would be like freaking like I'm trying to think of a good argument for this, but I just can't. Like you want to talk about bad for the mobile gaming market? Freaking Google, and it's disallowing and severe suppression of extra competitors in the mobile gaming market is bad for the mobile gaming market. And now my phone's listening in on, on me because I went ahead and talked smack about Google. I'm watching you phone. I'm watching you. So I mean like, what is the argument here? But bad arguments aside, let's pretend for a moment the FTC buys the absolute steaming pile that Nvidia and Google are serving up. Let's pretend for a moment they, you know, buy it. What does that mean for the deal? Remember how I said, that this deal will most likely end if Microsoft and Activision truly want it to go through, it's gonna end with Activision Blizzard selling a chunk of itself to someone else before being acquired by Microsoft. That's usually how these sort of things end. And if the argument's gonna be made for this to be unfair to the mobile gaming markets, that means the King portion of it, King, if you don't know, is, uh, the maker of everyone's favorite mobile game, the one that everyone loves. Don't, don't, don't you love King games? Don't you love Candy Crush? What else does King make? I actually am not sure off the top of my head. Uh, let's see here. King games has developed 
more than 200 fun titles. Oh man. 200 fun titles and offer games that are enjoyed around the world, TM. Which include Candy Crush, Farm Heroes, Pet Rescue, and Bubble Witch. Yay. Headquartered in London and Stockholm. There's something about a mobile game company headquartered in Stockholm that is just... The jokes write themselves and they're all terrible. God, you need to be, be under Stockholm Syndrome in order to enjoy these games. Holy cow. It's just... Ugh. Let's actually see how many of these terrible games I recognize. Uh, yep, they're all colorful, terrible, and... Uh, yeah, they all look like nightmare fuel. They're they're all someone someone in chat says it's a bunch of shovelware. It basically is, and that's I'm sure there are good games in the mobile market, but man, shovelware is like the way to describe the mobile gaming market, and it makes me sad. <sighs> Heck, I opened up the podcast talking about a shovelware game, which made me really disappointed. But you know what? Back to my point, I think King Games will just end up being sold off to um, to someone else in order for the deal to go through. That is what it's starting to look like is going to happen. All right, let's shift gears over to YouTube. The other thing that everyone loves at all times and never, ever, ever makes any quirky mistakes that angers anyone ever. Don't you believe me? Doesn't that sound like a thing that is believable? Yeah, um, the uh, the new new rules that silently got launched on YouTube. Chat wants to know what drugs I'm on, and, and they want some. It's a drug called sarcasm. It 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 is it it is something else. Gaming YouTube is of course in turmoil because out of nowhere and with no warning, YouTube implements a new set of rules regarding profanity. Pro, profan, profanity. And not only applied it to upcoming videos, but retroactively applied it to previous videos. And even better, even better, they told no one about this policy. Not a single soul. Everyone found out by experimenting when they found all, a bunch of their videos starting being demonetized which also inherently also means that they're not being promoted either. Here's the thing with demonetization on YouTube. And this is something that a lot of, a lot of defenders of, of YouTube and uh, a lot of um, people saying, oh man, YouTube's going to really hurt from this because now they're just getting, they're hosting a whole bunch of videos for free. Oh, no, 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 no. Let me tell you about how the algorithm works, okay? The YouTube algorithm is a ball of witchcraft and sorcery that no one fully comprehends. But one thing that absolutely does play into the algorithm is first off, A, what the algorithm thinks that the viewer wants to see, but more importantly, B, what is going to earn YouTube the most money. So basically, if I go ahead and have a video that is long and has a whole lot of mid-rollers in there, it is more likely to be promoted than one that has only a pre-roll and a post-roll. In addition, if it has more retention time, meaning that the subscribers that see your video watch from the beginning to the end, it is also more likely to be promoted in the algorithm to, to brand new users. And there is, of course, a whole lot of other dark magic involved in the whole thing. 
okay? And quite frankly, almost nobody knows for certain how the YouTube algorithm works. Not even YouTube. I swear, if you go ahead and find a YouTube rep, ask them how the algorithm works, you know what they're gonna say? Oh, silly Billy. No one knows, not a soul. It is an enigma beyond our comprehension. You think I'm kidding, I'm not. So what are the changes? Here's what people have found. One, if there is any swearing within the first 15 seconds of the video, instant demonetized. B, if there is any violence, simulated, animated, or otherwise demonetized. If there's actual violence in there, I don't even want to imagine what's going to happen. If there is excessive swearing in your video, demonetized. And again, this is applying retroactively. So, you know, about 10 years ago when video on the internet was brand spanking new and videos that were, that people found funny, like, uh, a guy with an angry voice swearing frustratedly at, at, at a hard video game and calling the whole series rage quit, that sort of thing, when that sort of stuff was popular. You know, back when Rooster Teeth had a reputation that was positive. Yeah, good times. Long, long ago, back when pride was a thing. Anyway, yeah, those videos are now retroactively being demonetized. That can be a big problem. Because of course, the amount of videos you have that have been demonetized also affects your discoverability. And again, just to reiterate, as someone in the chat did, these changes happened out of the blue. Nowhere was anyone told about this. Not a blog post, not nothing. YouTube then eventually came around and said, yeah, this is a thing that's actually happening. It's just madness. Absolute madness. And it's throwing a lot of channels that are larger into turmoil. But all of a sudden, someone like me that goes ahead and very aggressively uses their swear button whenever they could seems like a flipping genius now, don't they? I look like I have a freaking galaxy brain. It's just a shame my setup's right now incapable of making YouTube videos. Soon, I swear. I swear it'll be soon. Uh, I'm probably gonna have to take extra days off this, this week to begin migrating to the new system and just ugh. I am both, I am and not looking forward to it at the same time. It's just gonna be a mess, man. <sighs> anyway, enough existential dread. Let's instead talk about Meta. Everyone else's favorite punching bag. Meta is suing a surveillance company for scra scraping data with Facebook accounts. A company called Voyager Labs is using fake Facebook accounts to skim data publicly available off Facebook rather than, you know, get rather than just buying data the normal way. Personally, I gotta say, you know, I keep saying that, uh, that Facebook is terrible as, at its job because the information that Facebook is trying to sell you is just already there on Facebook. Voyager Labs, figure that out. Why am I paying for this data when I could just go get it? Personally, I am just impressed that it took this long for a company to do that. Or rather, it took this long for a company to do that and then get caught. Although the amount of accounts that Voyager Labs use to get to the bottom, to do all this is very impressive to say the least. Voyager Labs created something close to 38,000 fake Facebook accounts and used it to, to gather 
as much data from Facebook and Instagram without authorization. And by without authorization, they just mean they looked at Facebook pages and just gathered all the information just straight off your publicly available Facebook page. Uh, you know what? I imagine this, this, this lawsuit is either going to be thrown out or settled outside of court. But part of me also just hopes it actually does make it to court because I want to see the court case of Facebook trying to say, you can't just go ahead and steal value freaking publicly available information. That's our information that we're supposed to steal. And then you go ahead and use at your own earliest leisure. And I also fully admit this story, I assume is missing some crucial details, but we'll just have to wait and see how things end up going down the road for this absolutely just, uh, it, it, it's just an interesting little silliness. It's, it's just silly. All right, let's shift gears over to Microsoft, shall we? Windows 7 and Windows 8.1, it is time to press F to pay your respects. They have reached the end of life and have gotten their final updates. And now major software is no longer supporting these two operating systems, bringing tons of older devices basically to the point of extinction. This now means the oldest supported Microsoft operating system is in fact Windows 10. Someone in the chat asks, is it the final, final update? So technically, yes. Someone, they asked consumer enterprise. I believe both. I believe consumer and enterprise, both service has ended. I believe there might be some extended licenses that are still supported. Most likely if there's ever some massive, like world ending sort of vulnerability that's found, that will still be patched. But this sort of thing does also mark the end of other patches for it. So like, say if I was still using Windows 7, wait, am I still using Windows 7 on any of my systems? I'm actually not sure. No, 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 my, my someone in chat asked my work. Um, no, I know at work where you, I'm using Windows 10. Both of my PCs here at my desk are Windows 10. I know that for a fact. My tablet's Windows 10. My mobile workstation is Windows 10. I'm pretty sure Neo Remder is Windows 10. I actually now like really curious. Don't forget my Chromebook. Listen here, you. My Chromebook. Never before has something so slanderous been said to my face using a Chromebook. Give me a break. Oh no, I do have one Windows 8 device. Oh no, it's Windows 10. Never mind. I mean, it can't run Windows 10. It really should be on Windows 8. It probably, sh I mean, honestly, like for all the crap I give, I give Chrome OS and Chromebooks. It does have a place. Okay, yep, sure sure enough. Remder is is using Windows 10, all of it. Like this thing should be running Chrome OS because it can't run anything else. Someone in chat says, at least my Windows ME is secure. No one is writing code to target you there. Oh my God. So here's the problem with running, wind with running older versions of Windows. Eventually the world just passes you by. So like, for example, I was not referring to Chromebooks. Get that slanderous nonsense out of here. I said Chrome OS has its place. Chromebooks do not. Chromebooks are just like e-waste. Turning this into a Chrome, I did not say Chromebooks have their place. I said Chrome OS has its place. 
Get this slanderous nonsense out of here. Freaking chat trying to go ahead and misquote me here. Freaking fake news out, out here. Freaking slanderous. I already removed it because it's an incorrect quote. Get out of here with that. Not what I said. If you're going to quote me, quote me correctly. If you're going to quote me out of context, then quote me out of context correctly. Don't just add like freaking nonsense out there. Like, I'm not going to give you an example. Anyway, enough distractions that nobody in the podcast form cares about. The problem is with an older operating system is that everything else stops supporting it. Eventually, the internet's going to move on to newer versions of HTML and you're just not going to be supporting anymore. Like, here's me a fun thing. If you have an older device laying around that still works somehow and it's like running XP, try and use it. Connect to your Wi-Fi. It'll, it'll even connect. If the Wi-Fi card in there actually even supports the encryption you have, try to navigate the web. That's a problem. That is the real problem with using older devices. You're just left in the dust. If you're going to go ahead and keep around like a Windows, well, not an ME machine, that's for sure. If you want to keep around like a Windows 3.1 machine for like this reason, that reason, running some old DOS games or something like that, by all means, go ahead, just know the limitations. If you're expecting your Windows 7 machine is going to browse the web perfectly fine right now, yes. Give it several months. Give it a year. See how it is at that point. And you're going to find out, unfortunately, that you have to move on. Fortunately, just about any Windows 7 machine should TM be able to run Windows 10 very well. Same with any Windows 8.1 machine. Should be able to run Windows 10 pretty well. Unless it's a hilariously incapable little uh, tablet thing that was very popular in the Windows 8 era. Uh, then I think Chrome OS is your only savior. I'd say Linux, but um, man, I don't know why. Linux and this Dell convertible tablet thing do, do not like each other. Whatever it is, the Wi-Fi card that's in there, I think it's from Broadcom, does not play nice with just about every single, it just doesn't play nice with like almost every single version of Linux we tried on it. And it is something that Chrome OS might be able to help with. I mean, it's better than a dead device, right? So I have to pay respects to Windows 7 and Windows 8.1, I guess, too. Someone in chat says, just use a Mac. Oh yeah, sure. Let's go ahead and just use a Mac. When, um, once, you know what the problem is with a Mac? The instant its support ends, you know what ends up happening? I swear it explodes itself. <sighs> End of life support for a Mac is abysmal. It's just awful. Awful. Anyway, let's move on to a world that's even more terrifying. The world of Microsoft's new AI tool that needs a, to hear only three seconds of your voice to mimic you. The Vol-E AI tool can simulate your voice just by listening to you. The, the, the neural codec language mo module is built on Meta's, encode, on Meta's ENCODE audio compression technology revealed late last year, which uses AI to compress better than CD quality audio to data rates 10 times smaller than even MP3 files without a notable loss in quality. And by using this exact same sort of model, it can create a convincing deep fake version of your voice. So how long until I'm just replaced by an AI? Maybe I already am an AI. Maybe I already am just one giant little thing. 
Oh, someone in chat was actually asking, what is this thing I'm holding? Um, so it's not technically a netbook, but it basically is a netbook because it is just a little 10 inch screen with a keyboard and mouse, but it does have a touch screen and it does come apart because it actually is a tablet. It just runs Windows. Well, this one run, runs Windows 10 against our better judgment, but um, it doesn't run Windows 10 very well because it's an Intel Atom and it has four gigs of RAM. However, this tablet can do something that no other tablet can. You know what it can do? Here is the most amazing trick about this tablet. You can get inside it. What a crazy concept. You know what's even crazier? Assuming my nails will actually catch it, you can remove the battery. Holy cow. What a crazy concept. Actually removing and replacing batteries. Whoa, incredible. Chat's still trying to assume that I own a Chrome. I actually don't own a Chromebook. I never have. I have used one. I have played around with a lot of them. In fact, pallets worth of them. And um, no, I, I would not own one. I think this little, not quite a netbook, but could be very easily confused for a netbook that I'm, that I have right here, this Dell Latitude Tablet 10 thing. What is this thing actually called? What is the actual model number that Dell calls this thing? Um, I actually can't find it. Usually the lats, they go ahead and just have the model number like straight up on there. I don't own two Chrome, I don't own any Chromebooks. I own zero Chromebooks. I do own sunglasses that are very eager to slide down my head and cover my eyes when I least want them to. Seriously, where the heck is the model number on this thing? Yeah, how dare I let myself get trolled by chat? Anyway, this might end up becoming a Chromebook just because it has no, just because its future is either basically maybe Chrome OS if it works or e-waste, but that's about it. Anyway, back to the terrifying concept of Microsoft AI deep faking your voice to near perfection after hearing it for only three seconds. This is actually kind of like, from a geopolitical standpoint, this is actually like scary stuff. Like just think about that for a minute. In, in, a, in an environment when hearing someone say something can mean far, 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 far more. Like me saying I own a Chromebook means nothing. Elon Musk on the other hand saying they own a Chromebook? Dude, that is huge. That could mean massive, massive sales. Or say a figure like Donald Trump owning a Chromebook. That means massive, massive, massive losses. You get the point. Being able to deep fake a voice like this is kind of scary and can mean a lot down the road. It is definitely a technology that is gonna have to be explored for both good and bad in the future. Finally, one other thing, speaking of bots and algorithms. I want to talk for a minute about chat GDP. I'm sorry, chat GPT. I don't know where the D came from. Chat GPD coming as a customer service chatbot near you. I am more in favor of this than I should be. The thought of letting this bot that honestly, I, I'd say this without saying chat GPT is one of the most effective AI bots out there as far as both helpfulness and also usability. I mean, everything about it is just incredibly impressive. So one coming to an area like tech support chatbots is a huge, huge benefit. 
how long until it gives bad advice? Because while chat GPT is very effective and very good, we'll get to another article about chat GPT later. Spoiler, it's it's the last burb. The last burb has an amazing chat GPT story in it this week. It has gotten things wrong. And when it's gotten things wrong, it is it can mean a lot. And it is kind of concerning when that sort of thing does happen. We're going to take a break here when we come back. Apple getting into mixed reality as well as hardware announcements and most likely we're going to finish off the rest of the show as well. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so the reports are getting stronger. Apple is ready to unveil their next thing that may or may not make them money hand over fist that people may or may not care about. Are you ready for it? Are you ready for the next thing? It's a mixed reality headset. A lot of reports are saying, oh, they're going to reveal it. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. It's finally coming. Oh, my God. It's finally coming. Oh, man. The, the Apple VR headset is coming. Oh, it's finally happening. It's finally happening. I find it impressive that Bloomberg's the only one saying that Apple's going to talk it out, but that's, a, that's about it. You know, you can mark this on the calendar, too. I agree with Bloomberg. Here's what I think is going to end up happening. All right. Everyone's saying that... Well, now everyone's looking like looking pretty foolish. Everyone's saying that after CES that Apple is going to go ahead and reveal their mixed reality headset. I don't think anyone thought about they're going to reveal it to what? What's Apple going to do? Reveal their headset and have it connect to Facebook's metaverse? Man, you funny. You're funny. You are hilarious if that's what you think Apple's going to do. Oh, no, 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 no. Here, here's what Apple's going to do. Apple's going to talk about it. Apple's going to release a dev kit for it, and they're going to release it next year. They're going to talk about it. I feel pretty confident in this. They're going to they're gonna talk about it, and that's it at WWDC. I think Bloomberg is 100% on the money here. Why on earth... Would you, if you're Apple, reveal a VR headset and then hook it up to nothing? There's no way Apple's going to make a headset that piggybacks off something else. Oh, no, 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 no. Apple, if you somehow forgot, is the king of walled gardens. They're not going to go ahead and say, oh, man, man. Uh, you know what? I got to tell you, that Facebook looks like they're going places. We should piggyback off them. <laughs> no. When was the last time you saw Apple make anything open that they didn't have full control of since the Mac back in 19, when the heck was it? 70 something, 80 something? There's no way, even if the Meta's metaverse actually looked like it was competent, that Facebook would piggyback off it. They want their own garden and they want to make it seem super easy to use and that's how they're going to sell it. Whether it be full VR, mixed R, what, whichever they may go, that's how they're gonna be approaching this. 
By the by, in other news, I don't know if I talked about this only on the early bird briefing or if it was something I talked about last week, but just a reminder, Apple did also hike the cost of its battery replacements. But you know what, though? We should at least give them credit. Apple went ahead and had Tim Cook take a 40% pay cut. Now he only makes money hand over fist instead of making money hand over fist. See, it's, it's all about the sacrifice. Now he can only buy three yachts this year instead of five. See, it's, it's all about sacrifice. It's all about sacrifice right there. Only being able to buy three yachts instead of five. Yeah, I totally just included that just to make that joke. To be perfectly honest, this news means nothing to anyone. It doesn't... This news even means less to Tim Cook, even though it is almost half of his salary has been cut. Oh no, I only make however much it is. What is the actual number? Do I even want to know? You don't know. I made a decision. I don't. I don't want to know. This is clearly just news for the stuff for Wall Street and the stockholders. Anyone else looks at that and goes, oh, I guess I'll go cook my ramen now. And then also not afford the new Intel Core i9-13900KS. The KS stands for kill stealing. I actually don't know what the KS stands for, but it is a, it is their highest end of the 13th generation desktop processors and the nice thing about this is without overclocking this sucker can barely reach six gigahertz it's an impressive milestone for the average person no one's gonna care except for you know the overclocking enthusiasts because man if basically what this is there actually used to be a service called silicon lottery they would go ahead pre-test chips and see what their overclockability was and then sell those specific CPUs at a higher premium. This one here, this 13, 13900KS is sold at a hundred dollar premium over the other ones, which the average person, pff, you're not gonna pay that. Are you gonna pay a hundred dollars more for 8% more performance? No, no, you're not. How many of you are really gonna do that? Any of you that just raised your hands, put them back down, you know better. No one's going to do that unless they are world record hunting overclockers because it's basically pre-binned silicon. It is pre-tested silicon that can, in fact, boost up to speed needed to break records. That's what this processor is, which you know what? For those that do, that do extreme overclocking, you know, it's good on them. And while they're going ahead and doing the overclocking, while they're on camera, they can go ahead and use this new feature in NVIDIA Broadcast where you will maintain eye contact even when you're looking away from the camera because the GPU is basically deep faking you already. And you know what? While NVIDIA is at it with this new eye contact functionality, it can just keep me there using its same technology. And while it's at it, go ahead and use Microsoft's AI bot that mimics my voice and deep fakes that too so that basically in combination with my with my windows device and my nvidia gpu it can basically just replace me and then i can go back and play minecraft in my bed i'm kidding i'm playing final Fantasy 14 in my bed i'm hopelessly addicted help me i don't have a problem you have a problem real talk though i actually while this technology is neat i actually hate this i'm serious i unironically hate this technology because now anytime there's any kind of like little graphical weird weirdness that I'm seeing in like someone's face, I'm now wondering, are they actually talking to me or are they just being comically distracted and then trying to fake 
having co eye contact with me because they have one of these newer NVIDIA GPUs that can do that. This is something that is absolutely just, it's terrible. I, I do, I'm not even kidding. I unironically hate this. Especially, could you imagine if I was like doing a bit and I intentionally wanted to go ahead and uh, like, imagine if I want to do a bit and just like walk off camera and like the deep fake tech was there and you just saw like my head just like stare straight ahead as I'm like getting up and then like walking away and doing that. Like that would look weird. It would look unnatural and off-putting. I would rather just have everything be, well, just natural. I mean, heck, I have my entire setup set up like this for a reason. I have it so my face is facing away from the camera whenever I am talking about a main thing. But then if I'm talking to chat, I have my camera pointed directly at the window I normally look at chat. So that chat knows when I'm looking at them. <sighs> but you know, technology is gonna technology right there. Someone in chat wonders if this technology will work on dogs. I seriously doubt it. I think it's gonna be looking specifically for human faces and that's gonna be it. AMD. At CES showed off a earth shattering CPU in its keynote. If you went ahead and fell asleep during the AMD keynote where they showed off their bunch of stuff no one really cared about other than, you know, the GPUs. Actually, it was just CPUs, wasn't it? No, they didn't even show off GPUs. It was just mobile CPUs. And then gave us a whole bunch of promises with very little uh, anything to back it up. Man, their entire CES keynote was just kind of bleh. One thing that actually did go out there was an SOC called the AMD Instinct M3, MI300, which is actually a very impressive piece of silicon. And I actually kind of wonder where is this kind of technology going to go? Where this is a data center SOC that has 24 data center CPUs, an unknown amount of GPU performance, 146 billion transistors, 128 gigabytes of HBM3 memory. That is very good memory, by the way. That is the kind that is directly on the die and is incredibly, incredibly fast to get, get access to. Something that a data center could take huge advantage of. This whole thing on one monolithic chiplet chip. When I say chiplet chip, I mean like, one chip that you can see a whole bunch of chiplets on, not like one chiplet of a chip. This whole thing could in fact be the future of where AMD ends up going down the road. Right now, of course, they are still looking at what x86 has for them and that sort of thing. Can you imagine something like this going to the consumer market? Just insert your CPU, done. If the GPU performance is there, dude, you can make a very interesting Nice to hear you too, phone. That just went really loud for no adequately explored reason. Oh, the battery's dying. Okay, that, that explains it. It could, in fact, be the way of the future for Windows and PCs. Or if you're talking about the future, or if you just want to go and chat says just get a Mac to that. I hate to break it to you. If you get a Mac, you, you, you've given up. You've given up on computing if you get a Mac. I'll say it right now. You've given up. And don't try to tell yourself otherwise. You know it's true. In other oddball news that makes me wish I lived anywhere else, new homes in England are required to have high-end internet connections. How high-end, do you ask? How about a gigabit? New homes in England must have gigabit internet able to go into them. 
they must be ready for the connection. So in a related story, does anyone know how to become a citizen of England? Actually, someone in chat asked the very important question. Is it symmetric? I'm not going to lie. If it's one gigabit down, but only one meg up, ooh, that would be rough. Chat says, marry a British bird. Thanks. Thanks, chat. The article does not look like it says whether it's gigabit symmetrical or not. I imagine if it's not gigabits symmetrical, that it's pretty bloody close. They're just saying gigabit equipped homes. So in the end, we actually don't know whether it's symmetrical or not, but that is actually a very good question. I would be very curious. And that really does just kind of make me sitting over here with my internet that honestly is actually okay, but man, those upload speeds, I needs more upload speeds. But speaking of weird uh, things that kind of happen, how about this one? A school is suing social networks claiming that they exploit the neurophysiology of kids' brains. Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, especially TikTok, and YouTube are all being sued by Seattle public schools. Oh boy. Um, get the popcorn. This is gonna be good. I mean, it's not like they it's not like they have nothing to go on. There have been tons upon tons upon tons upon tons of studies of the effects of these various social media platforms, especially Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok on the development of children's brains and specifically Instagram on how they affect depression. So, I mean, as stupid as this case sounds, it actually, it does have some merit. It might actually go somewhere. And by go somewhere, I mean settled outside of court. That is most likely exactly where this is going. But man, if it goes anywhere else other than being settled outside of court or just being thrown out entirely, get the popcorn. This gonna be good. Speaking of being settled outside of court, John Deere has signed a right to repair agreement with an American farming organization that I already forgot the exact name of. The American Farm Bureau Federation. There we go. So for those who don't know, one of the big issues in right to repair has actually been John Deere. John Deere has actually been very anti-right to repair for a long time now. And well, signing this is a step forward. Now, this could be a huge step forward, but what's gonna matter most, and I wanna stress this entirely, is it depends on what John Deere does from here on out. Because if they sign this memorandum saying, we support right to repair and we'll do everything we can to go ahead and help farmers repair their own stuff. Cause that was the thing. Farmers were having John Deere tractors out on their farm break down and being literally not allowed to repair them in any way, shape or form. This was a huge problem. And I do mean that it was a big, big problem. When you're out in the middle of nowhere and you are hours from any other kind of civilization, to get any kind of parts or anything or any kind of repairman, being able to repair your own equipment is essential. So to have that being blocked was infuriating to a lot of farmers. This memorandum of understanding will theoretically allow 
documentation pay handed out to farmers and the allow of purchase of parts to non-authorized repair people. And this should be everything that farmers have wanted. But again, this isn't binding. It, it's a memorandum of understanding. It's just that. It is a document of understanding. There is no legal teeth to this at all. So they can just ignore it. So time will tell if this olive branch to the farmers that want to repair their own stuff is valid or not. Mercedes is making a fool of Tesla by being the first to offer level three self-driving in the US. Remember how Tesla said they had full self-driving, they're gonna have full self-driving, full self-driving, full self-driving? Mercedes is now closer, which is a real shame because uh, right now in the EV space, as much as I don't like Tesla and the way they operate, especially since by the by, out of nowhere, Tesla just cut the price of a lot of its cars by like thousands and have pissed off a lot of people who just bought Teslas, whoops, and not willing to retroactively offer the deals. Kind of a shame, but welcome to the world of the market. Anyway, Mercedes, unfortunately, while Tesla is kind of a scummy operator in the way they operate, Mercedes in their EVs is even worse trying to go the model of BMW and try to make a whole bunch of features built into the vehicle, but then be a subscription. So for them to be the first to offer level three self-driving, I can't wait to spend $2,000 a month to go ahead and use that. Or I just pulled that number out of thin air, by the way. I don't, I don't, we don't know what is going to happen. It's, it's unfortunate. Mercedes and BMW both are just trying to out Tesla, trust Tesla. And just quite frankly, I just want to be able to buy a car and actually have it be mine. Not something I have to pay a monthly subscription for. I'm willing to pay an, a monthly subscription for say an always online game like Final Fantasy 14. I'm willing to do that because there's a server somewhere out there that is constantly running the game for me. There's no car in the cloud that is running my car for me, which then makes the monthly subscriptions for these sort of things entirely just one giant money grab. And you are gonna have one heck of a time trying to convince me otherwise. But here we are. And I hate to be the one to look at Mercedes and go, oh man, what you're doing right here is so impressive, but you know, there's this other giant problem that I still have with you that you're trying to say, ah, oh, this, 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 that's not a problem. It's not a problem, bruh. It's not a problem at all. D don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Uh, speaking of things not to worry about, Here's a concerning thing that uh, that has kind of popped up out of nowhere. And it's actually something that, speaking of the 14, Yoshi P actually came up. This is in regards to Final Fantasy 16. Someone during an interview with Yoshi P asked, when is the PC version com coming out? He specifically said, nobody said a word about a PC release. And this might be the worst take I've seen out of Yoshi P in a, in a long, long time saying specifically regarding Final Fantasy 16, why is it like a PC version releasing six months later? Don't worry about that, buy a PS5. Dude, do you have any idea how much work I went through to get my PS5? I'm so worried about my PS5 that I'm actually listening to unsubstantiated reports about holding it upright and actually having it on its side. That's how concerned I am. It took forever 
forever to get this thing. Now, in defense of Yoshi P, I also do believe that um, this decision to not have Final Fantasy 16 coming out on PC, I think that this was a decision that was made over his head. It is very common for Sony and Square Enix to work out exclusive uh, PlayStation rights to the game, and then a year or two later, if you're lucky, there'll be a PC release. That's kind of the pattern we've seen out of Square lately. But the, uh, the notion of don't worry about that, buy a PS5, dude, try to buy a PS5. I think it might actually right now be physically impossible to buy a PS5. Let's actually check. Let's check live on the internet right now. Best Buy. First things first. Best Buy PlayStation 5. Is there one? It's not wanting to load. <laughs> oh, an arcade ta table loaded. That's about it. PlayStation 5 and consoles. Um, oh, it actually is in stock. It's in stock, but only bundled with God of War Ragnarok. Amazon PlayStation 5. Um, only available as, yeah, only available by invitation or scalped. So not available there. All right, what about directly from Sony? Because that's where I got mine. I got mine directly from Sony. Oh, actually, it looks like it is available. Both, uh, it looks like the disc version is available, but the digital version that is, um, a hundred dollars cheaper is not available because normally that sign in to buy sort of thing. Let me go ahead and bring this over here just in case it doxes me. Solve this puzzle. What, what the heck kind of freaking anti thing is use the arrows to rotate the animal to, to face the direction of the hand. What the heck kind of capture was that? Okay. It's not going to show my name. Okay, a digital edition, edition currently unavailable, as I kind of expected when it say sign in to buy. Um, digital edition with God of War is available. Digital edition with God of War, or a physical, or a console edition with disc available with God of War, and the straight up console is available with God of War. Okay, you know what? That's fine. Chat's like, I saw your email. I saw your email. It's the same email that's actually like on my Twitter too. Someone in chat says you want the 1200 model PS5s. Apparently it's six nanometers. Good luck. <laughs> that's, that's my statement on that. Yeah, I know there's technically a, a slight differences on the inside. Ah, uh, yeah, this, this SOC is built on a slightly smaller uh, lithography. It runs a bit cooler, is a bit more power efficient. It's clearly the superior model. It wasn't that long ago. We had to like punch people to get one. I, I would be, if it was me, and I was still, and if I was still in the hunt for a PS5, I'd just take whatever I could get my hands on, man. All right, so, uh, all right, all right. So you now can buy a PS5. The only thing that's just in the way is the fact you've got to cough up $500, which um, it's not easy for everyone to do. So, I mean, it's, it's still kind of a condescending statement. And I'm actually kind of surprised that uh, Yoshi P even said that. He's usually like smarter business-wise than that. So it is just kind of uh, disappointed. I am very disappointed in that. But what can you do? What can you do? At least you can find it without paying an astronomical amount of money. Now you actually can buy it for MSRP. Now if only GPUs and computer components were reasonably priced. Yeah, about that, NVIDIA. Uh, but it is what it is. I actually do wonder if like, comparing the cost of living to, to a cost of a PS5, if it's actually more reasonable in Japan than it is here in the States. That's another thing I wonder. If like you compare the cost of like the PS5 in uh, 
in yen to what an average salary is. It was just like, ah, oh, yeah, it's just like, you know, just eat a little lighter for a month and you can pull it off. So, all right. If you go directly to Sony's site, all right. And I want to stress, that's where I'm getting these numbers from. If you go directly to Sony's site, if you want the PS5 console with the disc drive, with the Blu-ray in it, it is $499.99 plus tax, which, which ends up being roughly like 520 something, depending on your area. If you want the digital edition with, which means that there is no DVD drive, you have to download all your games. There is no disc drive, which also is bundled with God of War. Then it's $460. If you want the version with the disc drive and God of War Ragnarok, it is $560. That is directly from Sony's site. The $400 digital only edition is currently out of stock and unavailable. You know what, actually? That's probably the model that is going for the most over at, over in Japan, if I had to guess. Because think about it, that's $100 less. There's no tariff. It's, there's no shipping costs. There's no logistic costs because it's basically being built probably across the sea. Just like it's built right in China. They're right next door. It's not that much distance to cover. It probably is like way cheaper to get a, to get a uh, Japanese PS5 than it would be for like the rest of the world to get it. Cause th that logistics cost adds up. Cause like, let's say it was a hundred dollars less. Let's say the PS5 was 300 bucks. That starts becoming a lot more obtainable for the average person. Like for like that starts becoming like a barrier. Someone in chat says you also have to pay for the, for the localization translations and all that as too. Yeah. I don't know how much of a difference that would make specifically like it, it would add but when you're selling hundreds of thousands of units that cost be gets absorbed much easier whereas the transport of them all th that's a cost that grows based on the number of units you sell either way still a very tone deaf statement even if i try to like see where it's coming from in any case let's talk about um findthatmeme.com a search engine that its sole purpose is going to be archiving memes. Look out. There's the, there's the search engine we need. It's the search engine we didn't need, but it's the one we deserve. Or how, how does the statement go? Or was it that it's not, it's not the hero we, we, we deserve, but the one we need? Was that how it's supposed to go? Someone in chat says like, know your memes. Yes, but this is supposed to be a search engine for it. Yeah, I think this is the opposite. It's not the surgeon we need, but it's the one we, it's not the, wait, no, it's the one we need, but not the one we deserve or something like that. Ugh. The point is, it's just like, really, really, man. <laughs> but there you go. The thing you never wanted, a search engine for memes, but we can do one better. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week, the real story that nobody asked for. Nobody deserves and nobody needs, but it's the one you're going to get anyway. I give you me knocking over a whole bunch of controllers. I give you the virtual AI wife created using chat GPT. You knew it was going to happen. You knew, <laughs> you knew someone was going to do this. You absolutely knew someone was going to go ahead and try to create 
a virtual waifu for laifu using AI. I just wasn't expecting someone to spend over a thousand dollars in cloud computing credits <sighs> to do this. Someone in chat asked, does she cook? Probably not. Here's the thing though. Let's pretend for a minute you had like some sort of crazy smart oven or a food printer that would, <laughs> does she have a headphone jack? Uh, that's a question that can only be answered in the after hours version of the podcast. Um, that's going to be on the OnlyFans version that totally exists. <laughs> does she have a headphone jack? Maybe she does and it's used for it may surprise you. And that's how Eagle Eyes on Tech was canceled forever. The end. What an amazing story, you guys. <laughs> canceled by Headphone Jack. Uh, all right, look, I, I I can't say I have any, like, legitimate thoughts on this sort of thing. Um, It's an interesting concept. It's incredible. Unfortunately, um, the developer already had to, quote, euthanize her because um, they just couldn't afford to keep her running, which really, when push comes to shove, all this cloud computing hardware, I'm just gonna say it once again, this is the real reason why you need to develop and start building up your own personal home cloud computing rack. This is the real reason right here for your, so you can go ahead and have your own AI waifu for laifu running at your own home when no one can shut her down. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you for listening. If um, if you enjoyed this for whatever reason, make sure to check out my daily podcast, The Early Burb Briefing. You can find that at anchor.fm slash early B-I-R-B briefing and check out my Twitch page. And right now with no ads coming in to the podcast, it is more important than ever to check out and support my twitch page whether it be just watching or hanging out maybe contributing you don't have to though even watching helps a lot take care and i hope you have a great day Now that the majority of people have already moved on to the next podcast, I can actually ask the real question. Why the heck did this guy make this AI waifu when he already has a girlfriend? His girlfriend told him to turn off and euthanize the AI waifu. You already have a girlfriend. What? <laughs> this raises so many questions. My brain just doesn't function correctly and all just, uh, what does it take to make my own waifu?